0: you're listening to the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I'm your host, Elijah Carvajal. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Shut Up and Teach podcast. I am your host, Elijah Carvajal, and I'm really excited for this episode. I have a guest with me who I have been really looking forward to speaking with for quite some time now. She is from Michigan and I found out today in the lower peninsula of Michigan. She is a high school English teacher, but as you all know, when someone says I'm a teacher, they're way more than just a teacher. And so uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my guest to you. I have Laura McDonald on the show today. Laura, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, Laura, there is, there's, uh, you are such an incredible person. I love following you on Twitter. Um, I love seeing your posts, just super encouraging. Um, Everything from education to fitness to even the music minutes uh, (laughs) is just really exciting and just fresh. I love it. So, Laura, for those of you, for those listening who may not know who you are, or may not follow you, can you share a little bit about who you are, maybe what you do and how you got into education?
1: Yeah, so I just finished my 19th year in education. Um, I've taught in both the high school, middle school, alternative education, pretty much anything I had to do to keep a job in Michigan, which meant moving around, kind of all over the place. Actually, I was looking at this, eight different buildings, four different school districts, and yeah, right now I'm in my, I would say my dream position, which is kind of where I started 19 years ago, teaching high school English, because that's what I'm most passionate about, and I absolutely love the high school age. Um, but if i get a chance to recommend books and to write and to talk about writing and to edit and all kinds of things that's pretty awesome plus i think high schoolers are just awesome so it's really exciting to get to work with them um, as they're kind of heading out into the world and have all these different possibilities of what they can become um like i said i've been teaching kind of all over the place i have um let's hear what else um i'm a mom of three Kids, I have a high schooler, a middle, well, a high schooler and two middle schoolers now, um, 14, 12, and 10, or 14, 13, and 10, and they're pretty active. They do a lot of sports, a lot of different activities, so that keeps me going quite a bit. Um, I run. I'm a distance runner and absolutely love um anything to do with personal growth, with reading things, with connecting with different people online and just pursuing um, anything that is, uh, that is out there to help me improve. Um, and as far as how I got into education, my parents are both teachers. Um, so it was always something that I was around and the conversation of education came up all the time. Um, In the summertime, we would go to my parents' classrooms and decorate them and get them ready for the next school year. So I was always cutting laminated things or working on borders or bulletin boards. Um, And so I was around it quite a bit. Um, I coached. I did a lot of things with young kids growing up. So I think it kind of was the natural. I just had so many different experiences. I was good at it. It felt comfortable. Um, I actually thought about nursing and journalism kind of at the same time, but I feel like education just kind of pushed me or kind of propelled me into that field. And I just, it, it was just kind of this pull that I can't quite explain. So I got into that and I have been teaching ever since.
0: Wow, what an incredible story. Um, there's a, man, I, I, you saw me <laughs> just turning and writing stuff down because um, just so many interesting things here that popped out. I have a question for you, a quick follow-up mm-hmm. question on that. Um, and it's actually kind of made me think of a question that I was asked. So okay. my my story is a little, is, is a quite opposite of yours. So I was homeschooled kindergarten through 12th grade. And my first time actually stepping foot into a public school uh, classroom was my first day of student teaching. Wow. So I wow. went in kind of like zero expectations there. You on the other hand, you talk about you know, helping your parents, you know, cut out things that were laminated and set up bulletin boards. And you know, you were you were exposed to it, not just being a student in public school, but also being the child of a, of a public school teacher. Do you feel like that gave you an advantage? Or has there still been lots of things that you've had to learn and you know to shape your own you know, philosophies of teaching and your own practice?
1: Well, definitely gives you the advantage, because I'm very comfortable in a school. I did well in school growing up. I, um, it it felt like a very, I guess, um, comfortable setting that, um, and so I was used to it. I knew what to expect going into student teaching. I had a pretty good idea of what I was going to see. and so that always kind of felt familiar. And I was always excited. I always loved the the transition from the summer into the next school year. That's always kind of an exciting time. Um, as a kid, I'd get excited about that, seeing my parents you know, go into teaching and um, kind of pursue their next year. And so I always liked that time of the year, the fall where everything was getting started again um, and that transition. So I was very used to it. And I definitely think that gave me the advantage in the sense that there was a lot of familiar things with that however when you're used to something and you're kind of comfortable around it you have to find a way to make it your own and you have to find a way to kind of get into it I think you know there are definitely years where I it just it was just kind of a you know okay this is what the job is this year this is what I need to do and I don't know if I always really understood the magic in front of me and really got into it and um really pursued it in the way that I am now. So I think the challenge is kind of unpacking that and figuring out how I can change this, how it's different. Um, I'm a different teacher than my parents, even though there's a lot of similarities and I definitely appreciated them because I can remember a couple, one of my first jobs, um, I worked in a tough middle school classroom. It was a a pretty um, urban area. And I remember talking to my dad on the phone. It was my second year of teaching. I'm like, I do not know what to do with this class. Like, I cannot figure this out. I, I did not learn this in college. I I don't. I have too many different issues going on at the same time, and I don't even know where to begin. Um, and so it was nice. It's always been nice to be able to kind of use them as a soundboard and say, hey, what do I do? And my dad's like, yep, I have had a class like this before, and this is what I did, and this is how I would approach it. But just having somebody that you can that kind of gets what it's like, and especially near the end of the year, the school year when it's getting kind of exhausting and you're trying to make everything kind of come together. My parents will always check in and say, yeah, it's it's tough. It's a tough time of the year to kind of to kind of finish up and kind of exhausting at the same time. So I think it's been helpful in the sense that I've always had the support and always had the familiarity and um, and that's been really good over the years and they've given me the different resources and um, and helped me kind of navigate some of that. But at the same time, it definitely, you have to kind of find your own way of approaching it and like, okay, this is what you're doing, but this is how I'm gonna, you know, and they they both actually teach elementary school or taught elementary school before they retired. So being a high school, more focused teacher, that was a little bit different too. So I had to kind of find my plan. I'm like, well, this will work, but I've got to make some shifts and I've got to adjust this to make it work with my personality and, you know, what's going to work for me. Mm -hmm.
0: So, wow. So it's so important that you have those, those supports in place. And it's, I think it's even more powerful when you have, you know, when it's, someone like your own parents too, mm-hmm. that can relate to what you're saying. Like you Definitely. said, oh, wow. Yeah. I've had a tough year like that too. So yep. I'm glad Definitely. you, I'm glad you Definitely. have those supports.
1: Right. Um, right.
0: So let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk about running a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, um, for the, for the people listening, when I, when a guest wants to be on the show, there's a Google form that they fill out and it says, you know, tell me a little bit about yourself. Laura is a big time runner. She's saying, <laughs> big time runner, Um, and an early runner too, I believe, you know, getting up pretty early to do that. So I'm just going to ask the question here, and then you can take it in any direction. You can talk about running however you want. You know, we can get, you know, I'm sure I'll have more questions as you are sharing. But let's talk about the passion for running. When did that passion develop for you? Has this been a lifelong thing? Is it, you know, just something more recent? Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Okay, so, yeah, I started thinking about kind of my running story. It's always kind of you think about your story and education and your resume and then you start. I always say I need to put together my running resume and kind of what Mm -hmm. I've done so that I can kind of look at it and appreciate it. it is interesting. Growing up in school, I played a lot of sports, a lot of team sports, a lot of basketball, softball. And I absolutely hated to run all the way through high school. I was probably one of the slowest on the team most frequently. And just did not like the running part of things. Um, But I knew that that was a part of playing a sport. You had to be in shape and so forth. And after I got into college, I realized I had to do something to stay in shape. um, Because I was no longer playing basketball. I was no longer playing team sports. So I needed something different. Um, And I actually met my husband pretty early in college. And he was a pretty avid runner. And he was a um, a former cross country runner and a pretty fast runner and trying to sound impressive to him. I told him I was a runner and would like to go running with him sometime pretty early on. That was when I realized I needed to, I think in my head I wanted to become a runner, even though I was not really a runner, but I just believed I can figure this out. I can be a runner if I want to be a runner. And so that's when I realized I need to start running after Mm -hmm. I'd already told him that we should go running together. (laughs) So, Um, and he was great, even though quite a bit faster, totally brought me into the sport. And so I did a few 5k races, 10k races to kind of get into it. Um, I think it wasn't until I ran my first marathon in 2002. And again, that was, he had run a marathon and I thought, well, if you can run a marathon, I can run a marathon. And I barely knew anything about the training. My uncle had actually run marathon. So I always heard about it, but I just didn't know that much about it. And my dad was a big workout person, so he was always up in the morning before the sun came up, and he was either working out on a stair climber with weights, or he was out the door running a few miles. So I always saw that consistent role modeling of early morning workout, um, and he was just a no-excuse person, like, you, you got to get it done, you got to get up early to do that. So I saw that consistently throughout my life, um, and I've never really been afraid of getting up early, because that's pretty much the only way I would get consistent running in nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, in 2002, I ran my first marathon. It was something. It was tough, the Detroit Marathon. I got to mile 18 and I well, first of all, I was not very well trained for this. I got to mile 18 and I remember looking at this wall of ivy in front of me as I was turning the corner into the next mile thinking, How am I ever going to finish it? I don't know how I'm going to get to mile 26. Like, I don't know how this is going to happen. And by the time I finished that, I remember my uncle telling me at first, it's going to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm done. You know, I don't have to ever have to run again. But then you start getting this itch again, where it's like, I want to run another one. I think I want to do another marathon and see how I can do or just enjoy the experience again, because it's this addicting experience, because it's the best metaphor for life, honestly there for a second okay so yeah so right now I'm training for my 33rd marathon um in Grand Rapids actually I know we spoke about Grand Rapids and really excited about the training um I absolutely love running um it's that process where you and I love doing it first thing in the morning because it's you like I'm the priority then I get to decide how the rest of my day goes. Um, and I think as a parent and as an educator, um, cause I'll talk about it in the classroom, but definitely as a parent, I show my kids, this is what's possible. This is how you can uh, pursue big things. This is how you do this. It means getting up early. It means taking action right away. Um, but I love the idea that on a run, even if it's a really short run, even if it's a mile long or two, um, you start out probably with a noisy head f- filled with all kinds of different thoughts, taking you many different directions. And then there's a point in the run pretty early on where my head just kind of empties. It just clears and there's nothing there's. N- and I love that feeling that I'm not thinking about anything for a few moments. And then gradually you get to filling up your head with different ideas. And sometimes it'll be different lessons or it'll be just different things I want to do or goals or, thoughts about different people. And that's kind of cool. So I love that process of it. So it's kind of that cleansing of your mind, I guess. Um, That that's pretty cool. Plus, I like to compete and with myself. And so it's really awesome to, to get to a starting line in a race. And be like, I'm here to compete. I'm 41 years old, I'm ready to I'm ready to, you know, see what I can do here. So I like that a lot, too. I there's not too many different avenues in which I can kind of compete the same and just being you know not playing a particular sport at this point point. and i think the thing about running that's so cool is the people that are in the olympic trials right now when you watch the marathon on tv whatever it is that's still even though we're running very different paces very different distances at times that we're all in the same sport we're all doing the same thing and you have the same level of respect no matter if the person is going incredibly slow very short distance or incredibly fast it's kind of like if you're a runner it's just like you're in this club of people doing all you know virtually the same thing have the same goals in mind it's just it looks different for everybody so i always think that's kind of cool and yeah, i remember i was at the start of the nashville marathon and watching everybody just kind of, you know, gather into that starting line area and being in that corral, I just remember thinking it was, you know, early morning. I'm like, these are my people. This is, this is, this is it. We're all ready to, you know, to hit these streets. And it's pretty exciting. So a lot of ups and downs. So there are a lot of very frustrating moments as a runner. <laughs> and there's my middle son who runs cross country will say, "I don't understand this. How can I train less than somebody or train more than somebody else and not be as fast as them?" And I was like, "Welcome to running." <laughs> it was like, "It's got its ups and downs. You can do everything right one day and have a bad race. You can do everything wrong and get a great time. It just it's a mixture of different things, a lot of different emotions, but Overall, I mean, there's nothing like it when you get out there. It just feels like freedom, and it's pretty cool. So,
0: yeah, that's that is an incredible story. So, thirty-three, you said, right? Third, this is going to be this will be my
1: thirty-third, yeah, in October.
0: Wow, that so, is yeah. a lot of marathons. Congratulations! Yeah, thank you. That, that is thank incredible, you. and I wish you good luck with the thirty-third well, coming you. up. Um, do you have you found? lessons in running that kind of cross over into education or into just other areas of life in general?
1: Absolutely. Um, Like I said, I think the marathon itself is the best distance that compare it's the best metaphor for life. I mean, I, I find that distance magical, but um, there's, I don't find in the other races that it really makes you feel like you've gone through a whole experience. In the beginning, you're all charged up, you're all excited, you're feeling great, you've tapered, and then as it goes, you start to have, you know, you have doubt, you ha- you wonder if you can make it. You start to have all these different things happen, and you have to make split second decisions. Sometimes you're like, am I on pace? Am I not on pace? Does this, you know, slight, you know feeling a pain in my knee. Is this an injury? What do I think about this? Do I keep going? Do I slow down? Should I be drinking this Gatorade right now? Do I take this, you know, whatever this, this electrolyte at this point? Am I doing, you know, is my nutrition in plan? So there's just so many different things to think about. Um, and then there's points where you do get frustrated with yourself. You, the doubt sets. And remember the last marathon that I ran, I was frustrated because I just, I saw my time goal slip away. And I just kept thinking, all right, let's finish this respectably. We've got to, we're not going to quit. So just like in life, it's like you, you have to find a way to keep moving forward, no matter how bad it gets, no matter how rough it gets. And there's some moments of real darkness when you just are like, I can't go any further. And i watch my goal slip away and what am i running for now and it's just it's it can get really frustrating but then you realize you just have to get to the next point you just have to keep moving forward and ultimately you're going to get past that next hurdle and you're going to keep going and people are there on the sidelines supporting you but they can't do it for you you know you can gain encouragement from all kinds of different ways but ultimately you have to be the one out there you have to be the one running the race and that kind of thing um I think also it's really good to have something that is outside of teaching that you like I don't think you should just be a teacher in the sense that everything you do is only about education because it's really good for kids to see that you have outside interests because you're modeling to them when they get into a professional job or into their life after high school what this looks like and I'm showing them yes I can be a runner I can compete um, I can be a teacher, I can be a parent all at the same time. I mean, you can't necessarily pursue every single goal at the same time, but I think it's powerful the powerful for them to realize I can do a whole bunch of different things. and it's not just my job that I'm gonna do one day. I can, you know, take a look at some of these different things. Um, and so I think it's it's important to have, something that you have as kind of a hobby and something that you have as something healthy that you can bring into the classroom and that kind of thing, um, to kind of pursue.
0: Yeah, I I agree. That's, that's excellent modeling for our kids. And not just that, but I, you know, 33 marathons, you, you're also modeling focus, Mm -hmm. determination, grit and goal setting. Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: What's something that you th- that you feel is something really important to keep in mind when setting a big goal, whether it's a marathon or, you know, something with you know, education or, you know, what or how do you address it with your students, you know, you teach high school students, is there something that you really leave them with when it comes to goal setting.
1: I think a couple of different things. I was thinking about this, actually, and I came across a quote recently by Zig Ziglar, and it said, if you set the right goal or half of goal setting is setting the right goal, and then you're halfway there. And there have been so many different times that I've tried to set a goal based on what I did 10 years ago or based on what I wish I could run like, or what I would like my time to be. And then that becomes not very realistic goal. And then you just get frustrated and you're wondering why this isn't working out. So I think to enjoy the process and to be able to celebrate goals along the way, and to be able to enjoy the accomplishments that you have and to be realistic you have to set goals based on where, where you are. You can set really big goals, but you have to set ones that are, you know, that are that are going to make some sense based on where you're currently at, like based on your current level of fitness. And that's what I did this time in particular when kind of pursuing some different time goals for this marathon. I used a couple different time predictors and looked at, okay, not just what do we want our time to be in the fall? What great, you know, time do I want to see across the finish line? No, but where's my current level of fitness right now? What can I run a 5k in right now? Well, let's take that and do some predictions based on my current level rather than this level that I used to be, you know, 10 years ago. Um, So I think it's being honest about where you actually are. I think it's great to set really big goals, but you have to realize that those might take some time. And so you should never put a cap on a goal and never decide that it's not possible. Um, I tell my kids every day that they should continue chasing their impossible and chase stuff that feels impossible at the time. and you're you'll it'll come together as you pursue it. Um, and if it's really important to you, I know I, um, one of my favorite lines in The Pursuit of Happiness, it's a movie with Will Smith, and he tells his son, he's like, if you got a goal, you got to protect that. You got to don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. And I go back to that pretty frequently, no matter how many odds are stacked against you and how ridiculous it seems like and how slim of a chance you feel like you have in achieving a goal. If you want to do something and you believe that it is something that's important to you, you should go for it. It's going to take some time. And depending on where you're currently at, that's where I'm saying you've got to be honest about, okay, where are we today? you got to pursue the path. Um, and that path might take several years. I mean, some of my goals will take years to accomplish just because it's the starting point is really far from the end point. And that's okay. You just have to be willing to do that. That's where you can set some smaller goals along the way. So you can reap some of the accomplishments and celebrate some of the success along the way. So as far as other goals, I think that was most of it. There's a lot of heartbreak with goals. And there's a lot, like I said, same thing with running. It's a lot of up and down. And, but if you don't ever set goals and I feel like you don't really articulate what you want and you can't, you don't really know what you want. Um, So I am a big, big fan of kind of writing down and articulating, okay, what am I looking for? What do I want to accomplish?
0: Awesome. Setting the right goals. I like that. I really, Mm -hmm. I really like that piece of advice that you have. Well, this is a shut up and teach podcast. So I'm going to ask you the big question here now. Do you have a moment, a shut up and teach moment from your career that you would like to share with us now?
1: All right. Well, I was thinking about this, actually. And the first thing that I thought about, because I kind of was look, thinking about, I've listened to several of your guests kind of go through different moments. and I'm like, oh, I like that. I like that one. I'm like, oh, but I need my own. I need my own thing. And I kind of settled on the book, um, the, the mantra from the book, everything is figure outable from Marie Forleo. And I, the first time I heard that on a podcast, um, I absolutely loved that the idea that you can figure out anything and growing up that was what my dad kind of drilled into us it doesn't matter you're going to begin things before you're ready you're going to begin without experience but if you get to a job interview you tell them i don't have specific experience with this but guess what i can figure this out i will take whatever training i need i will do whatever i need to do to figure this out and i think you can figure out anything I have taught myself to code. I've taught myself um, different computer programming things. I've taught so many different avenues of education because that was what was required to keep the job or that was what was required to stay employed somewhere or to, you know, I've run the yearbook in several places or the school newspaper and I didn't know their software program at the time, but I'm like, guess what? I can figure this out because if you want something badly enough you can definitely figure it out. And if you can't figure it out, it might be as Marie says, a fact of life, something that just isn't a problem and therefore is not something that can change. But if you want to figure something out, you can, if you're willing to put enough time and effort and to pursue it at all costs, you can figure out anything if you have the purpose behind it. So I always kind of keep that as my mantra, like, Hey, whatever it requires, I will figure it out and I will find a way to make it happen. Um, And I think that you have to have kind of that growth mindset along the way. Otherwise, because there, and then you'll, you'll kind of settle into what areas of education you want to do more than others as you go. But it's that, that pursuit of whatever it's going to take, I will find a way to make this happen. I will learn this new skill next year. I'm teaching a new grade level. And so I have a few new things to learn with some of the test taking things. Um, with the SAT. And then I have with um, just a new subject area that I haven't taught in quite a while. So it's like, I'm going to figure this out. And that's always the the mindset. I remember when I had to learn how to tie a tie for a Halloween costume for one of my kids, I was like, that was the first thought that came into my head. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm going <laughs> to figure this out. And it was like, I can figure this out because it's figureoutable. I can, this is, I can, I can handle this. And so that's probably the the mindset that I think is so important to teach kids. You can figure this out. It's, it's absolutely, you can find a way to, to learn this.
0: Laura, you are so right about that. There's, I mean, like you said, I can go on YouTube and look this up, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, like you said, you have, you know, you have parents that you turn to when you're like, I don't know how to handle these things. Um, we have mm-hmm. colleagues we can turn to. So yeah. I love, I love that you have that shut up and teach mindset and that growth mindset mm-hmm. of I can do this. I can figure this out. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, Laura, as we get ready to wrap up here, I want to just ask you, is there any, anything that you'd like to leave our audience with any piece of advice, anything that you'd like to share?
1: I think one of the biggest things is, um, just like with running a marathon, you're going to have the ups and downs in your education career or whatever you're doing, parenting or whatever it is, there's going to be great moments and then there's going to be low moments. And you have to find a way to continue to stay inspired because if you're going to inspire people and you're going to have the energy and the electricity in the classroom, you've got to be inspired by something yourself. And so if you are, whatever it is, trying to find the the desire to want to run or to Get up in the morning to go to work or whatever that is. You've got to find something to inspire you, and there are all kinds of things out there. And that's one of the reasons why I turn to so many different podcasts and to your, to so many different books and YouTube videos. And it's just so cool to find these people out here who haven't given up, who aren't just kind of bombarded. I mean, everyone is human, and yes, they have their low days, and they have their they're human but they haven't given up. They still have that fire about them. They're still excited about education and they have new ways of doing things and different videos or different podcasts or whatever it is. Find something that lights your soul on fire again, that gets you excited about whatever it is. It doesn't matter if it's a hobby, it's a YouTube video on something doesn't even have to be about teaching, but find something that gets you excited and that energy and that, electricity. And like I said, that inspiration starts propelling you forward to want to learn about something else. And sometimes it's unlikely things, but find something that gets you excited, that gets you revved up and then, then you can pursue something else. And eventually it all kind of starts to connect and you'll find the different books and the people that kind of inspire you at the time. And then sometimes those people change and different things um, come into play, but just seek out anything that will inspire you because you you've got to be that for kids and for other people that is
0: so great laura you never stop growing you never (laughs) stop pursuing that excellence um, which is just another reason that i love following you and i'm glad that we're connected well thank you so so much laura for being on the show um i would like our listeners to be able to connect with you and follow you so that they can keep track whether they are runners or educators Mm -hmm. whoever's listening um, how can our listeners find you?
1: Well, I have a couple different things. My Twitter handle is l mcdonald fourteen, and my Instagram. I do both of those pretty frequently. Um, Instagram is l mcdonald two thousand one, and um, I have a Facebook. But a lot of that is pretty just kind of family, friends, personal stuff. I don't do a lot of teaching stuff on there. Um, so I was at Instagram, Twitter, and then I also do, um, I have a blog, but it's hitter. It's how, it depends on how much time I have to, I have available to write. I write for a couple different, um, publications. And so a lot of times I'll tweet out, um, a, a piece of writing that I've published somewhere. So that's kind of more common, I guess, but enjoyingeverymile.com is my, um, is my blog as well. So that's
0: kind of the. Awesome. Uh, And listeners, I will be sure to put Laura's uh, information into the description of this. Make sure you go down and find it so you can follow her. Um, Thank you so much, Laura, for joining me again. I appreciate it. This was a conversation, like I said, I've been looking forward to having with you. So I really. Great. And good luck to you. Um, Enjoy the rest of your summer. Listeners, uh, thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. If you haven't uh, subscribed already, please do so and share this uh, episode with a friend, um, someone who uh, you feel like really, really could benefit from this, or someone who just really want to hear this because you're excited about uh, Laura's story and who she is. So, Thank you. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Shut Up and Teach podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to share it with a friend or on social media. I always welcome feedback, so be sure to leave a comment about your thoughts on this episode. Until next time.